so I have uh, a, a word for, th- for this morning. Um, and last night when I was praying for, um, when I was praying over today and just kind of getting in God's presence, uh, I felt like the Lord asked me, uh, who wants a job? And I'm good, so I know it wasn't for me. I'm good. <laughs> who, here, who here has a, wants a job? Who here not needs a job, wants a job? Who here wants a job? You want a new job. You might, might be in transition. You might be looking for a job. You could be in that place that, that, that someone's been nudged. And I want you guys to stand up. Or you got, like, this is, this is the message today. Like, we're just going to do some stuff today. So go ahead and stand up. If, you, if this is you, you're saying, I want a job. I feel like the Lord is releasing some grace over your life to not just meet a need, but exceed the need. And so everyone, if this is you, I'm telling you, just stand up right now and, and just allow the Lord to, to bless you. So, yeah, there's so many people in the room. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. All right, guys, you know what to do. Stretch out your hands. If you're around them, get up. You can lay hands on them. Put your hand on their shoulder. Put your hand on their elbow. Come, around, come alongside them. And we just want to bless right now. And we just want to release, I want you to just release the glory of the Lord over them. The glory of the Lord over them. Just the glory of the Lord in their midst. That Jesus not just, he doesn't just see a need, he satisfies your desires. That he is a God beyond just your minimum need. He is a God who satisfies your desires and the longings of your heart. So we just release just that supernatural favor. We release that supernatural glory over your life. We release that, 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 the testimony of the Lord that's going to come from your foot stepping into the position that God has for you. Not the position that man has for you, the one that you want, God wants to give you. So Lord, right now, I just release that over them, God. I thank you, Lord, for providing beyond what we can ask for, Lord. Beyond what we can ask for, Jesus. And I pray right now, you would just release, I want you to pray this, that you would just release supernatural favor and wisdom, God on these ones, Lord. Supernatural favor and wisdom on them, Jesus. That somehow their resume would get to the top of the pile. That somehow their connections or talking with someone would be the right connection. That somehow, Jesus, the way that you would lead them, God, would just tell this story about your goodness in their life. So, Father, I thank you, and we just release that now in this place, God. And we just break off anxiety. Come on, come on, church. We break off anxiety. We break off stress. We break off that worrying spirit that would try to wage war with your heart and wage war with the promises of God over your life. And we break that off today in Jesus' name. And we release you into the shalom of heaven, into the provision of your Father, and into the glory of the Holy Spirit who is resting in you and upon you, and who fights for you and battles for you and wages war for you and will not stop for you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Thank you, thank you, thank you, God. Lord, we just, we just release into you just a new day of confidence of who you are, a new day of confidence of your identity, a new day of confidence of the Spirit of God who's resting inside of you, a new day of boldness to take claim for what he is saying. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Everyone just give him a Shabbat. How are you guys doing? Should we just close in prayer? Just worship today, got us into the presence.
You know, there's been a verse that, um, if you've been in CSSM, you've heard me talk about this often or a few times. And one of the verses is, uh, God, teach me to number my days so that I may live a life of wisdom. Or in some versions it says, so that I may gain a heart of wisdom. That was Moses praying that in Psalm 90. In, in Psalm 22, David's, or Psalm 34, David says, uh, Lord, show me the end of my days, meaning this. God, show me my death so that I may live in light of the number of days I have left. Does that make sense? Lord, show me my life's end so that I can actually walk in a revelation that my time is limited. You know, if we, it, that revelation, that reality will actually position us to walk with Jesus closely. Amen? Because how many of you know, I mean, like, like your days are limited. You're not going to live on this planet forever. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have an amazing, amazing inheritance to look forward to. That he wiped us clean. That he invites us into heaven. That he invites us into that place. But, you know, do you want to get to heaven and wish you did something differently here? Like, you ever, do you ever think about that? that? That's a healthy thought. It's like, I don't want to get to heaven and wish that I operated and, and lived differently on earth. I want to get to heaven and look Jesus in the eyes and say, Jesus, that was hard and crazy and amazing, and I'm so glad to be here. But Jesus, did I go for it all the way? Did, did I really go for it all the way? Did I really take your promises all the way? Did I really walk in your presence the way that you invited me into? You know, that heartbeat will, will position us to live as glory bearers now. Not just glory beholders then. To be glory bearers now, to be carrying the glory of the Lord now. You know, Smith Wigglesworth You've heard me say this often, especially if you're in CSSM. If you're in CSSM, this is, like, this is like every message I've given over the last six months combined in like short sentences. Is it, it, Smith Wigglesworth, he'd be on a train, and, and people would come up to him, and they would say, you convict me of my sin by sitting there on a train. Just by sitting there on a train. That he learned something about carrying glory that actually he began to leak it everywhere he went. Do you, do you, guys, do you know people like that? Have you ever been around someone like that, where they just seem to leak the presence of God on you? You know, those are the people that you, you just want to be really close to. Those are people that you want to rub shoulders with. Those are people you want to surround yourself with. Because there's something about that that is attractive to our, to our inner man, to our inner spirits. Romans 3 says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. How many of you guys have heard that before? How many of you guys relate to the first part of that pretty well? All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You know, that is really true. But we tend to camp on that first part, and we never actually move to the second part of that, of that scripture. Romans 3.23, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. So that means this, is that, is that sin separates you from the glory right? I know this is like quantum, you know, calculus here. It's like sin seems to separate you from glory. But what if sin was removed? Then what would that scripture say? They all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. 
and upon inspection of you, you have not sinned. You get to move into the glory of God. How many of you know Jesus covers you? That because Jesus went to the cross, God sees you as one who's never sinned. Does this make sense? You know, today, I don't think this is going to be a great message. You're going to take great notes on it. I really hope that something is released in our hearts and in our spirits today. And some stuff gets broken off of us. Because we as a church are operating in this place below the glory of God. The capital C church, we, 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 we tend to operate in this place of, you know, I'm just so glad that, uh, that I'm no longer falling short. Like, I'm just so glad that my sins are forgiven. And we don't step into what we were created for, which was the glory of God. Does this make sense? So I feel like the Lord just wants to make these little kind of shifts in our thinking and in our thought patterns today. And for us to recapture something. Because if our days are numbered, then I got to get this. Then you got to get this. That Jesus took care of you falling short. It's almost like in your life, Jesus removed that part. You once fell short of the glory of God because of sin, but now Jesus, our amazing, wonderful Savior, who went to the cross to heal all of your sicknesses and all of your sins, positions you in a place that glory is now your inheritance. You know, we're supposed to be glory bearers. We're supposed to be carrying glory. In the Bible, glory, it, the Bible tells us that glory is like a substance. It's something we can see, we can feel, we can taste, we can touch. If any of you study revival history, you'll see that, that glory shows up. There is so much glory in some revivals that they would actually take jars and try to capture it in a jar. They would try to take it home because it was a cloud, it was a, there was a substance to it. And they would actually try to take it home, put it in a jar, but it, it wouldn't be there when they, when, they, when they tried to take the glory of God for something other than what it was there for. When they tried to touch the glory, it seemed to fade. But the glory of God is this substance that's available to us. So what often happens is, well, why doesn't he show up? Well, do you know that you're invited into it? Because here's how it works. Here, here's Christianity 101, okay? Jesus said this. Pray this. Let heaven come on earth. as let, let my will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Let heaven come to earth. Let heaven come to earth is how we're supposed to pray. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning this. Is that, is that heaven is waiting for earth to agree to come. It's not waiting for your, your, you know, the next traveling evangelist who's going to shock a bam, lay hands on you, although I love them. I love them. I want to rub up against them. But here is, what, here is what heaven is waiting for, is earth to agree. So we think, why doesn't God just show up and do it? Because you're not agreeing. I, does this make sense? Because there isn't an agreement here because there's something that's caught in the way of our thinking. There's some static that's there. Am I making sense so far? That there's static that's there, that God wants to be removed. And it looks like this. It looks like beginning to come into agreement that I am actually designed 
to carry glory, that it's already in me. According to, to the Bible, it actually says that Christ is in you, the hope of glory. That it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. There is this message that was kept hidden for ages and ages, according to Colossians. That God was waiting to do something in the last days that, the, that kings and prophets of old longed to look into. But they didn't see it. But they prophesied about it even though they couldn't see it. And it says in Colossians that that mystery that God has kept hidden to the final act of creation, to the final act, the final days, is this. Is Christ being formed in you? Is Christ in you the hope of glory? That you see, where it used to be that God would, God would show up in the Shekinah glory, right? Shekinah just sounds like glory. No one even knows really what it means. You know? it's, it means like the manifest presence of God. It's in, it's in Hebrew literature. That that Shekinah glory. So here's how it used to work. It used to work that you would show up in a corporate setting like this. And that there would be worshipers outside. You'd come to church or temple. And there would be worshipers outside and they would be worshiping. And then priests would go inside. And they would give their offerings to the Lord. They would give their burnt incense. They would follow the law according to the commandment. And then what would happen is then there was this place inside called the Holy of Holies. And it's inside that temple place is where God, the physical presence, the Shekinah glory of the Lord, the glory of the Lord, the presence of God would dwell and speak. And only priests got to go in. Only priests got to go and encounter Jesus in those places. And that glory of the Lord, though, even before Jesus was always meant to be on the earth. It could only be visited a certain way, though. Because there needs to be an atonement for sin to walk in. Am I losing you guys? Are you guys okay? That there needs to be an atonement to walk in, meaning this. Is that now in the New Testament, what happens with Jesus? What happened when he went to the cross? That Jesus went to the cross. He became the atonement. He became the offering. He became the worship. And on the cross, he became everything that needed payment for it. Why? Because he wanted the temple full of priests. Why? Because he wanted his glory to be known among the people. So Jesus now takes the place of that. And what, what happens when he got crucified? When he was on, when he was, uh, the moment that his spirit ascended into heaven, what happened? It said the veil was torn. The veil that separated the outside from the inside, the Holy of Holies from the outside was torn permanently. Shortly thereafter, you can read history, the temples were all destroyed. So where did the glory go? Where did the Have you ever thought about that? Where did the glory go? Well, it seems the activities that used to take place inside the temple now began to take place in the life of believers. It actually, be, the whole book of Acts is like the glory mobilized. It's like the whole book of Acts is about the glory being given away now. Does this make sense? And there wasn't any superior Christian high priest now. It's just Jesus as high priest and you as glory bearers. Does this make sense? That, that now as believers, it says according to, to, to 1 Peter that you are a royal priesthood. You are the priesthood who carries the royal treasure of the presence of God. Have I worn you out yet? 
I'm, I'm getting excited. <laughs> because there's something that's supposed to be inside of us to come out of us. Because the glory of God, even in the Old Testament, the Old Covenant, was always supposed to be, to be experienced by man. It's just then it could only be experienced by a few. But it's always been there to be experienced by man. John 4, 14. Let's throw that, let's throw that scripture up here. This is out of the Passion Translation. It says, if you drink from Jacob's well, you'll be thirsty again and again. But if anyone drinks from the living water I give them, they will never thirst again. And will be forever satisfied. For when you drink the water I give you, it becomes a gushing fountain of the Holy Spirit. Everyone say gushing fountain. <laughs> Springing up and flooding you with endless life. You see, you're supposed to be drinkers so that you can be releasers. Like, you're supposed to drink so that you can become a river. That you're supposed to encounter the glory of God so that that glory of God is released through you. Like a gushing fountain of his presence. Like a gushing fountain of his presence. Open your Bibles to Exodus 32. We'll just read some scripture. In Exodus 32, it's one of my favorite stories Exodus 32 through 34, we'll probably camp actually in 33 for a moment, is a story about, about the people of Israel, and you guys have probably heard me talk about it before. I have like one sermon, it's just really long. It, it is, is the people of Israel in the Old Testament, and this is where, where God is giving them the commandments. He's giving them the law. He, he's speaking to them, and Moses goes up on the mountaintop. And then he comes back down, he finds Israel worshiping a golden calf that they lost in 40 days, they lost faith of 40 years. And now Moses convinces God not to kill everyone, because God wanted to do that. He wanted to just get rid of everyone and make Moses a great nation. But amazingly, Moses has friendship with God where he convinces God, he says, God, that's not a good idea, because if you did that, then the Egyptians where we came from will think that you just kill your own people, but that's not what you're like. And God's like, you're right, that's a good idea. I don't want to, I'm not going to do that. So I'm picking up in, in 33, Exodus 33, verses 12. So now this is, this is, he came back down, he smashed the, the, the stones, the, the, uh, the commandments, and uh, now Moses is talking with God about, now what do I do? Now what's next? So Exodus 33, verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, you have been telling me, lead these people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You have said, I know you by name, and you have found favor with me. If you are pleased with me, teach me your ways so I may know you and continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. The Lord replied, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Then Moses said to him, if your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all other people on the face of the earth? And the Lord said to Moses, I will do the very thing you have asked. Because I am pleased with you, and I know you by name. This, 
push pause there for a moment. Why did God do that? Why did he say, why did he, why did he do it? It's because Moses asked. Because Moses asked. See, we get in this, this lethargy in the church where we just like want the worship leader to ask for us. Where we just want a pastor or preacher to, to ask for, like we want to we come into an environment where this has already happened, that somebody else has already set that up and we can just come into it. Does this make sense? Like we fall into these places that, that Monday we're not asking, that Tuesday we're not asking, that Wednesday we're not asking. And we, we, we run to other places to begin to, 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 to get a drink. That's not the drink that, that it's like a secondhand drink. <laughs> this makes sense. That, that we have to know what's available and actually take hold of it. Because you are the people who are called to be distinguished from all the earth. But God is a jealous God. And here's the thing. If, if, if we, if I, if you, if we don't ask, if we're not jealous for his presence, he'll go to another church. Does this make sense? Don't hear what I'm not saying. We want every church to be filled. And I'm, I'm talking about he'll go to a different group of people. He'll go to my neighbor and not me because I'm not asking. That that mantle might fall somewhere else when it was meant for me, when it was meant for you. So I love Moses. You know, Moses, God's already said, I'll go with you. And Moses is like, okay, Lord, I need you to double down on that offer. You're saying you'll go with us, but you have to understand, if you don't go with us, what can distinguish us from everyone else? Moses didn't just hear a promise and say, awesome, thanks, God, amen, Jesus, so glory, shababah. He actually said, okay, God, listen, do you know what you're saying? Because here's what I'm thinking about what you're saying. I'm thinking that you're going to go with us in such a way that it's distinguishable among all people. You see, no one's asked the Lord for this yet. See, in Scripture, everyone just took the promises of God and held on to them, and, al- and God allowed his faithfulness to shine through, and he became known. Abraham was the father of generations. But Moses is the one who would get promises from God and talk to God about them. And he would usually squeeze some more out of God. Okay, God, you're going to go with us, but make sure that you go with us in a way that is tangible. I don't want anyone thinking that we're not who we are. People need to know that you're with us. And then God, I love God's response. I will do the very thing you have asked because I'm pleased with you. Meaning this, what if God is giving you promises like this to this measure, but he's holding this measure to see how you respond to this? What if those promises that he gives you are just the entryway, the doorway into what he's really holding on for you? This makes sense. Now, we don't get to access this place if we don't know that you are a royal priesthood. You're the ones who are supposed, like, like there's no other people on, alive who have access to this. It's you. But we tend to stop here sometimes, right? We tend to kind of hear a promise, amen, write it down, but we never storm heaven with the promise. Am I connecting with you guys? Now, let's get to the good part. Verse 18, then Moses said, now show me your glory. You see, God showed up that day just to basically tell him, I'm going to be with you where you go. And Moses pressed in more. Okay, God, double down on that. I want to know what it's like. Okay, God, now triple down. Now, God, show me your glory. 
You see, he knew that when God starts talking to him, that that is the entryway to begin to pull on God more. That a servant mentality only takes an order, but a friend, says Moses was a friend with God, they would talk face to face, but a friend, oh, I'm going to pull on that string more. If you tell me a little bit, oh, I want to know more, God. A servant would just simply say, okay, you will go with us. I will turn around and report to the people. God says he will go with us. A friend says, oh, God, I need more of you, though. Hold on, God. Hold on, Jesus. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Don't just send me. Show up before I get there. Don't, don't, don't just send me. Anoint me beyond measure. I have news for you. God is just waiting for people to take him up on some offers that he's holding on to. And Moses says, now, Lord, show me your glory. And the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim my name, the Lord, in your presence, and I will have mercy on whom I have mercy, and I will have compassion on whom I have compassion. But you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there is a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in the cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face you must not see. I love that the Lord, that Moses said, God, show me your glory. And what did God equate his glory to? He said, I will show you my goodness. That I will show you my goodness. That my glory is how good I actually am. See, he's beyond, he's better than we think. Like his glory is how good he is. Do you have to understand, he's not carrying stones waiting for you to mess up. He's not carrying stones waiting Oh, you've been really good, but I just can't wait to correct you. I just can't wait to correct you. That he's actually so good that his glory, his manifest glory, is just the backhand of his goodness. It's the backside of his goodness. Now, there's a couple things that happens here. So what happens in, I'm just going to keep, are you guys good? In, in Exodus 34, verse 6. Exodus 34, verse 6. And he passed in front of Moses. Remember he said, I will pass in front of you and I will proclaim my name. The Lord, the Lord, compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet he does not leave the guilty unpunished. He punishes the children and their children for the sins of the parents of the third and fourth generation. Let's just stop right there. Jesus became your punishment. He became the punishment to your family. He became the punishment to all of your generations. Your generational line has been wiped clean by the blood of Jesus. Can I just say that to every single person in the room who's looking at that thinking, oh no, there's still some level of curse over my life. That Jesus became the curse over your life so that you could live in the glory of his life. Okay? 
Now it says this. It says later on, and I'm just going to jump there in uh, verse 29. It says, Now Moses came down after this encounter with the tablets, and he was not aware that his face was radiant because he, he had spoken to the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites, I'm in verse 30, saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were afraid to come near him. But Moses called to him, called to them, uh, to all the elders to come back. And afterward, all of Israel came near, and he gave them the words of the Lord, what the Lord commanded, uh, Moses gave to Israel. Then he says this, when Moses finished speaking to them, he put the veil over his face. But whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, with the Lord, he removed the veil until he came out. And when he came out and told the Israelites uh, what he commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. Then Moses would put the veil over his face until he went back to speak with the Lord. That there's something about being in the presence of the Lord that actually changes us. Does this make sense? Like there's something tangible about being in the presence of the Lord that's, that we're supposed to carry with us. Why am I saying all this today? Man, this feels like, like, this just feels like a Bible teaching. We need to see what's available so that we can begin to ask for it. Because there's invitation in the glory of the Lord. There's invitation to step into this. Moses, his face was veiled because the people could see and they feared Moses. Because his face was radiant and full of glory. And he didn't know it. Something got broke, broke off of Moses' life. That fear of man thing got broken off of his life as he revealed the glory of the Lord. As he stepped into the presence of the Lord, fear of man got broken off. Because Moses now was no longer afraid. He didn't even know that his face was radiant. Does this make sense? There were once he was asking God, send me someone else. Now he is walking in the presence of the Lord. Are you ready for your minds to be blown? Everyone say yes. <laughs> I'm going to read out of 2 Corinthians 3, and we're going we're gonna to round third here and head home, okay? 2 Corinthians 3 says, Now, if that ministry, those tablets, the commandments of the Lord, brought death, which was engraved in letters on stone, if that came with glory so that the Israelites could not look steadily at the face of Moses with, with, uh, because of the glory, transitory or temporary as it was, Will not the ministry of the Spirit who are given to believers be more glorious? If the ministry that brought condemnation was glorious, how much more glorious is the ministry that brings righteousness? For what was glorious has no glory now compared to the surpassing glory. What was once glorious, it's like it's not even, you can't even see a, a flicker of light compared to the glory now. The glory of righteousness. The glory of no longer falling short. The glory of that has been covered. Now it's time to walk in the full measure of glory. And if, the, if, that, which, if that which was temporary came with glory, how much greater is the glory that is not temporary? 
of that which lasts. Therefore, since we have such a hope, we are very bold, who are not like Moses, who put a veil over his face to prevent the Israelites from seeing the end of what was passing away, but their minds were made dull, for to this day the same veil remains when the old covenant is read. It has, it has not been removed because only in Christ is it taken away. Just stick with me for one more second. Even to this day when Moses or the law is read, a veil covers, heart, covers their hearts. But whenever anyone turns to the Lord, the veil is taken away. The veil of what? Of the glory of the Lord, who is Jesus, who's living inside of us. See, here's a lie that you're separated from the glory of the Lord. Here's a lie that I need to go eight steps and I need to get, I need to get 30 months of inner healing before I begin to have a taste of the glory of the Lord. You're believing a lie. And those things are really easy to come off. Don't be condemned. That's just a change in our thought pattern, a change in our thinking. And I'm, I'm, almost, I'm almost there. Are your minds blown? Maybe me. Maybe just me. Now, this is where we get this verse. Now, the Lord is a spirit, and where the spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. So keep in mind this connection right now. And we all, who with unveiled faces reflect or release the Lord's glory, are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory. How much glory do you want? Because apparently, you're all reflecting or contemplating, releasing as a mirror the glory of the Lord, and you're being transformed in his image with ever-increasing glory. Which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Now, there are other translations, and I love the pastor translation of this. It says, where you make the Spirit Lord, there is freedom. Where you make the Spirit Lord, there is glory. There is freedom. There is access to heaven. There is access to where you're seated in heavenly places. There is access to experience his presence. You see, we get so tied up in this natural realm that we actually oftentimes forget that the supernatural realm is bigger, more real, and more powerful than what we're living in. Why do you think the kingdom of God breaks in and undoes disease? Because it's more powerful than the natural realm. That that spirit realm, we're not even getting into signs, wonders, vision. That that supernatural realm is more powerful than this realm. And it's actually coming into your life with ever-increasing glory according to the Bible. How many of you think that's a good day? How many of you are ready for that? I don't even know if I'm ready for that. So one of the ways that we need to be aware of is where we're making agreement in our minds. You know, one of the things that it talks about in Exodus 34 is after the Lord went and showed him his, released his name and showed him the, the backside of his hand and, 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 and the glory of the Lord passed in front of Moses, this is what the Lord said to Moses. There were a couple things. One of them was said a few times. How many of you know, anytime God says something like two or three, four times in like a paragraph or two, you might want to listen. Like you might want to underline that. It's probably him trying to communicate something that we don't understand. So he's saying it enough times that we would at least remember it. That's a good word. 
This is what he said. This is what he, he told Moses. He said, now listen, this covenant I'm making with you, he starts off with this, verse 10, 34, verse 10. I am making a covenant with you before all of your people. I will do wonders never before seen in any nation in all the world. It's his, it's his first part of the covenant. I will do wonders in you, this people group, that the world has never seen. The people you live among will see how awesome the work of the Lord is that I will do for you. Now, this is, this is where he says a couple times, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land. Two verses later, be careful not to make a treaty with those who live in the land, verse 15. Be careful not to make any idols. So here's what we do, is we tend to make agreement, and what does that look like in the New Testament, in, in, in the day that we're living in now, is we tend to make agreement with the ways of this world. And it hinders the covenant being released through our lives. See, there, the ways of this world will always be contrary to the ways of the kingdom. It doesn't mean that we don't love the world. We just want to be in it, not of it. Amen? And it's when we become of it that we lose sight of everything. We lose sight of all these promises, of all this glory that you're supposed to be walking in of all this glory that we're invited into. Maybe you guys can connect with this. How many of you know that, that Proverbs 3 says to lean not on your own understanding, but to... I couldn't understand. There were too many people talking. <laughs> to lean not on your own understanding, but in all of your ways, acknowledge or trust the Lord. How many of you know that's a good word for every season that you're going to be in? That word is for every season that you're ever in. You never get to a place where God's like, okay, now lean on your own understanding. That's a word that's for every season of life. To lean not on your own understanding. So what happens? We get to these places that we're, we're encountering the opportunity to not to lean on our understanding because circumstances or situations are causing us to want to understand, to want to figure stuff out, to want to have, does this make sense? To try to, oh no, like I'm waiting on the Lord and, he, and it feels like he's not showing up, so I better do something. I better, I better do something. I better, I better try to understand what to do here and kind of just, you know, make the call. I'm going to kind of abort the promise just for a moment to make myself feel better. Give me some practical things. Now, listen, I love practical stuff, but, but sometimes we, we go to that place just to make ourselves feel better. Because I don't know about you, Jesus makes me nervous when I wait. His timing makes me very nervous. His timing made, made Saul very nervous in the Old Testament, and that's why he lost his kingdom. Because Saul went ahead and didn't wait for Samuel. That Jesus, the Lord's timing tends to make us nervous, and we try to take action when we start to become nervous. How many can relate to this? Yeah, I have two hands. Both of them are up. I mean, Jesus made the disciples nervous. They were getting persecuted and, you know, treated poorly, and they were all like, should we throw down fire? You know, we, we've heard what you said, but we don't really, like, do, Lord, do you know? Do you want, like... <laughs> I mean, Peter's like, Peter's like, 
Peter, I could just see Peter reaching into his own understanding, being like, let's throw fire on this city, Lord. They rejected us. And Jesus is like, oh, my gosh. Like, you don't know what spirit you're of. So when our understanding fails, then I go to social media for a quick thing. Am I getting close? I go to social media for a quick, give me a word, give me a zing, give me, give me something there that makes me feel better. I'll let that guide me. But when that runs dry, now I got to go to media. Now I'll go to TV. Now I'll go to the movies. I'll, I'll try to find something here that makes me feel good. Because Jesus is making me feel nervous. And that kind of like doesn't work. And now I'm just kind of restless in my spirit. And I'm kind of like, I don't really like anyone. But I'm going to put on a good face. But inside, I'm actually, I'm actually really suffering right now. And I'm being tormented. Why? Because I invited the tormentor in. Because I began to lean on my own understanding. And when that failed, I looked for others. I looked for somebody else's understanding. Does this make sense? We go to social media, look for that word. And I love social media, but you hear what I'm saying, correct? That we go to that place in order to get something that we're supposed to get through revelation and, and intimacy with Jesus. But none of these things, our friends, we'll go to our friends, you know, it's like misery loves company, just like get around a friend who's a little bit miserable, makes you feel great, both can just complain a little bit, feel really good in the moment, and walk away. And now you got like three demons in your life. You're just opening up those gates wider and wider for torment of your mind. And we begin to separate ourselves from that revelation, that invitation to walk in his glory presence and now what happens is now I'll turn to the Lord because now I realize that I have been leaning on my own understanding and trying to do the best that I could, the best that I could. The best that I can do is terrible. Like, come to that term. Like, come to that realization. That the best you can do is terrible. It's a good word. <laughs> but now, now that I'm coming to the Lord, right, so I went from walking in promises now to I got that place where my understanding failed me. I went to some different outlets. Well, now I'm coming back to the Lord, but now I got all this stuff I got to get rid of. I got all this stuff in my brain. I got all this disconnection from heaven because I went and filled myself up on some other stuff. And now I need to just get free from that. Does this make sense? And it's like, it's like oh, my gosh, we work really hard because we put ourselves in bad positions. You know, something from, something from, from this story of, of Moses, and, and I'm just going to finish here. Something from the story of Moses is that, did you notice that he was up on the mountaintop and the glory of the Lord passed in front of him and the, his, his face shined and he had a veil and he was just radiating the glory presence of the Lord. It says that he would actually, after he was down, when he would meet with God, it would still happen. That when he was now down in the tent of meeting, when he was now down in the valley, when he was with everyone else, it says that he would repeatedly go and it would still, it was like a problem. That he would go in and the glory was so strong. And as he went away from the presence of the Lord, it, it would fade. It, it, was, it was passing. But there's something powerful about that, meaning this, is that, you know, your mountaintop experience, you're supposed to, like, that's supposed to be the new standard. 
Like your encounter, Philippians puts it this way, let us live up to what we've already attained. That your encounter from the Lord, you want to learn how to steward encounters, it's more encounters. Meaning this, that like your encounter, your experience, you guys can all go to a place right now where you encountered the glory of the Lord, right? In a real tangible way in your life, the presence of the Lord. Some of you have been taken up to heaven before. Some of you have been taken to, 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 to places in the spirit that you have a hard time describing. That is the new norm for your life now. Because what we encounter on the mountaintop, we steward in the valley, not by our own efforts, but by the presence of the Lord. That we're always supposed to be walking with what we encountered. Instead of leaving, like, oh, I got to find another, like, mountaintop. I got to find another zing. I got to find another, like, anointed man or woman of God to lay hands on me. And don't get me wrong. It's like we talk about in CSSM. It's like, you know, let, like, go sit in their chair. Like, suck the anointing out of people. Like, be super selfish. Like, you know. But, but, but we're not called as believers to have to rely on that. We're called to carry it. Does this make sense? All right. So, so why don't we stand? Thank you, Jesus. If you believe that God is going to show you his glory, let's just give him a shout. Jesus, we love you. Thank you, Lord. If I could have our ministry teams come.